Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Grove. My name is Stephen, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to have you with us. If you are joining us for the first time or the first time in a while, we are at the very end of a series that we've called Mastermind. And the reason that we decided to talk about this is because we think that our thoughts and the things that we think and the way that we think are often things that we don't talk about very much. It's easy to talk about the manifestations of our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings, our actions, the choices we make, but rarely is it the case that we step back and kind of look at the way that we think, the patterns of thought that we have, and the way those thoughts influence every component of our lives. And so what's been interesting to me is we've walked through this series, and each and every week as they've built upon each other, all of the thoughts that y'all have shared with me about the thoughts that you have in your brain. I can't share all of those because some of your thoughts are a little troubling and a little concerning. I appreciate the honesty and the vulnerability. Um, Some of you need to go to therapy, but I'm glad that you're at least sharing with someone. So I'm glad for that, but it has been interesting to me how impactful this series has been for so many of you. Because if you're like me, this is probably one of the first times that you've actually stopped to evaluate the quality of your thoughts. This is kind of the first time maybe you've begin to think about what you think about. And so we're going to try to wrap this whole thing up and tie a big bow on this entire series. Uh, But if you're with us for the first time, or if you've forgotten what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, you're in luck, because I'm going to remind all of us. And so if you remember, just hang on, we'll get to the new stuff in a second. But if you're new, let me start with the old stuff. So in week one, I asked you to begin to think about what you think about. And what that looked like was we did a thought audit. We begin to evaluate, to pay attention to what is, what is the quality of our thoughts? What is the content? What is kind of the feel of the things that we're thinking? For many of you, you recognize that your thoughts weren't quite as positive, weren't quite as hopeful, weren't quite as encouraging as maybe you'd like them to be. And so we begin to talk about why that's so important. And what we said was that our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so that's why it's important to pay attention to the thoughts that we think and the things that go on in our head, because what happens in our head comes out into our lives. And we use the illustration of walking a dog on a leash. For many of you, with your thoughts, your thoughts walk alongside you. You have control over your dog and your thoughts, and you kind of navigate the world in a very responsible, professional manner. And then there's others of you. Some of you who sent me emails over the last couple of weeks, and you recognize that your thoughts lead your life, and you don't have a whole lot of control over it. It's like your dog is pulling you everywhere you go, and for some of you, the dog has broken the leash, and it's just gone. It just said squirrel, and it's like, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. So if that's the case, if that reflects the reality of how we live and what goes on in our brains then it's important that we begin to develop the skill set to begin to choose differently, to replace certain thoughts with better thoughts, to upgrade the quality of our thoughts, and thus upgrading the quality and the experiences that we have in our lives. So week two, we talked about how to do that, how we could begin 
to choose new neural pathways that would strengthen the way that we think and the patterns and the thoughts that we have in our head. We talked about how the way that we can begin to identify the negative thoughts and then let go of those through prayer and some journaling and, and then focusing on scripture, we be, can begin to move from the negative thoughts and begin to choose new, better, more pure, more noble, more generous thoughts on the other side. And how that happens with practice and practice and practice. And in fact, we encourage many of you to do this on a daily basis so that it will begin to take in your own lives. And then last week, last week we talked about how it's not just the thoughts that we think and the ability to replace those thoughts, but sometimes it's the framework in which we look at our experiences and the situations and the things that happen to us. And we can begin to create a whole new meaning for all of the things that we experience in this life. And so some of you, you've been operating out of broken frameworks or negative frameworks that have kind of created a whole meaning in which you live in this world. You've had a bad experience, you ended in a bad relationship, something happened to you in your childhood, and that's the lens through which you view your life. And so you make your choices. It informs your thoughts and emotions based on the interpretation and the meaning that you've ascribed to a certain series of events. And so we talked about what it looks like to choose a different framework. And so today, long wait, we're going to talk about how we wrap this whole thing up. Because it begins with identifying that our thoughts impact our lives. And then we have to recognize how to choose better thoughts. And then it's how do we choose different frameworks for the situations and experiences we have. But all of that fits under something that we would call a mindset. And a mindset informs our values it informs our beliefs, it informs the frameworks that we use in our lives, and it ultimately is responsible for the quality and the content of the thoughts that we think. The way that we go through this life is we have experiences and all those experiences come into our brain as signals, and our brain determines whether that's an input, pay attention to this, or noise, don't pay attention to this. And your mindset determines what happens next the meaning that your brain makes for all of the things that you experience in your life. Maybe you've had a child who woke up grumpy one morning and you said something to the effect of like, well, you sure got up on the wrong side of the bed. What you're saying in that moment is you're acknowledging the framework that they're using in that moment. The mindset that they have, like you just got a grumpy mindset today and we're gonna need you to go back up to your room, do something and come back down with a different mindset. Maybe you've experienced people or you work with people who have a negative mindset. It doesn't matter what happens. They're like Eeyore. They just find a way to make it like a rainy day, even if it's like beautiful and sunny. It's like, can you believe how beautiful it is outside? Yeah, but it's a little hot for me. It's like Ross on Friends when he walks in. He's like, hi. Like that's the mindset that some of you and some of the people in your life have. It's just like, come on. Like, can't you find anything to be grateful for? Can't you find anything to be excited about? Some of you have a, a critical mindset. You think this has been a gift from God. You have the ability to evaluate the entire world in the way that everybody else in your life should be living according to what you think is right. You have a critical mindset. And so it colors and filters and creates the meaning for the world in which you live. And so people don't seem to want to spend a lot of time with you. And you can't figure out why. And everybody seems to be grumpy in the conversations that you have with them. 
If the common denominator in all of your relationships is, is that there's some kind of tension, and every one of your relationships has that tension, it's you. If everybody's a jerk in your life, guess who the jerk is? Just playing the odds. Our mindsets really, really matter. So the other day I was watching this show on Netflix called Inside Bill's Brain. Maybe some of you have seen this. But it was examining and unpacking and kind of giving you some insight into the mindset of Bill Gates. Now, part of it was really interesting because you got to see how he thought about things. Part of it feels like a little bit of a puff piece, but I'm not here to judge. But what was interesting to me about this show was understanding how Bill Gates looks at every problem. Bill's mindset is that everything can be improved through technological innovation and processing. Everything. His life, his relationships, his company, the problems this world faces, the healthcare crisis, clean water issues, all of it can be solved through technological innovation and processing. That's his mindset. He even uses the analogy that, you know, that's the hammer that I use in my life. So to me, all I'm looking for are nails. The way that he tries to solve every problem, the way that he engages in every relationship, any encounter that he has, any career or job that he tries to pursue, it's all through the lens and the mindset of technological innovation and processing. So, What's your mindset? In general, if you had to name, to evaluate, to label your mindset, what would yours be? It, would it be a mindset that you're proud of? For you, if you were really honest, maybe this is the first time you've been asked some version of this question, you've actually been forced to think about what my mindset is. Another way to ask it is what do you value most? Like really? What is most important to you? What informs the way that you think about how everyone, including yourself, should navigate this world? For you, is it achievement? Ultimately, achievement is the overarching mindset that you employ, that really, at the end of the day, the only way that you become worth loving, worth being in a relationship with, the only way that you prove who you are is by doing more, and so inevitably in every relationship and in every career and every opportunity that you have and experience that you have, you're oriented towards the mindset of achievement. For you, is it the appearance of success? You don't care whether or not you really achieve anything, but you want everybody to look like you achieve. You want it to look good on the outside. And so for you, you filter everything through, well, how's this going to make us look? Well, what will people say about what we do? Well, how, what are the optics on this? Do we need to, to change the appearance and reevaluate what everybody else sees. Is that the mindset that you employ? For you, is it, you just, being in a relationship is the highest form of self-worth and identity. That's the mindset that you operate with. And so you're constantly scanning the world to try to figure out how can I finally find somebody to be with? Or how can I find a better someone to be with? Or upgrade the person that I'm currently with? That's the mindset that you navigate this life with. Our mindset matters. It matters most of all because our mindset informs our values. It informs our beliefs. 
the way that we make choices in this life and the way that we feel and act each and every day. This whole series, we've been looking at a particular book of the Bible, this book of Philippians. And the reason that we've been doing so is because it's a very unique book. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians in a city called Philippi. And the reason he wrote the letter was because of the problems and the challenges that they were experiencing. In fact, it's the very same problems and challenges that we're experiencing today, which is why that letter felt really relevant for us over the course of this series. And so each week we've been walking through this letter because Paul talks over and over again about how important our thoughts are, why we need to choose different thoughts, and what it looks like to become better at the way that we think about things. Paul talks about how much it matters that our thoughts inform our lives, and so the quality of our thoughts is crucial. And so Paul's given us a lot of advice on what our thoughts should look like and how to go about doing that. And so today we're going to look at one last piece of scripture from this letter. One last bit of advice that Paul gives these, these Christians on particularly what their mindset should be. Now, what I saved till the end for this week, I think is important because I think it helps us frame the entire thing. We've talked a little bit about who these Christians are in this city in Philippi, but I need to go back about a hundred years before Paul showed up and Paul wrote this letter to this church. Now, if you look at an ancient map, the city of Philippi is strategically important. It's at the intersection of some water routes and some trade routes. And so, so much of what happened in this first century world came through the city of Philippi. And in fact, it was so strategically located that there was a hugely famous battle that happened right outside the city gates of Philippi. It was between a man named Octavian and Anthony and Cassius and Brutus. Now, Octavian and Anthony won. This is during the Roman Empire. Octavian goes on to become Caesar Augustus and the start of the Roman Empire as we know it. And so right outside the walls of Philippi is this huge battle. And upon winning the man who will become Caesar Augustus, puts a whole legion of Roman troops into the city of Philippi. And so for the next hundred years, these these Roman troops, and then now these new citizens of the Roman Empire, begin to operate under the mindset that Caesar is Lord. That life is better with Roman rule. It's a term that they use called Pax Romana, Roman peace, which was anything but peaceful. But what it said was, and the way that it encouraged you to live and operate in your life was, if you will be a good Roman citizen and agree that Caesar is Lord, then you'll experience the benefits of Roman society. You'll have wealth. You'll have access to resources. It will be good for you on an individual level if you ascribe to this mindset, this overarching mindset and mentality that Caesar is Lord. And then a hundred years later, there's another guy that shows up with a very similar message, a message of peace, a message of lordship, and a message inviting people to allegiance to a new way of living and being in the world. And his name was Jesus. And it is no coincidence 
that his message used the exact same vocabulary as the Roman Empire. It was highly intentional because everybody knew what those words meant and all of those words were loaded and political and it was extremely subversive. And so then Paul comes and he begins to write letters to these people in these cities who were trying to follow this man named Jesus in a world that viewed Caesar as Lord. And so Paul writes and he encourages them and he says there's a different way of being. There is a different mindset that I want you to adopt. And this was particularly difficult for those citizens of Philippi because they operated under the mindset of the fact that Caesar was God and it was good to be part of the Roman Empire. Life was better under Roman rule. We had access to all of these resources and benefits that we wouldn't have access to if it wasn't for the empire. And so Paul writes these words. Are you strong because you belong to Christ? Does his love comfort you? Do you have joy by sharing in the spirit? Do you have compassions and sympathy for each other? Now all of these questions are intentionally rhetorical. Paul's writing to this group of Christians and instead of telling them what to do and how to think and feel, he asks it in the form of rhetorical questions. You should feel strong because you belong to Christ, is what he's saying. His love should comfort you. You should have joy because you're sharing in the spirit of Christ together. And you should also have compassion and sympathy for each other. Paul's like, hint, hint, this is what you should be doing. It's like when parents, you're like getting ready to walk out the door on, some, on, uh, on weekday mornings, and you're like, did everybody brush their teeth? Did everybody grab their backpack? It's the same way of saying, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Get with the program. Let's go. Paul goes on. He says, then give me true joy. If all of those things are true and you're doing all of this stuff, then it's going to make me really happy to know that you're thinking the same thoughts. You have to all have the same mindset. There's a particular way I want you to think about your life and the way that you're living. I also want you to keep having the same love. And I want you to be as one in thoughts and actions. Paul knew what neuroscience is proving today, that our thoughts inform the way that we think and feel, and thus the way that we act and live. So Paul's like, listen, I want you to think the same thing. Y'all all need to have the same mindset. And that mindset will manifest in a congruency between your thinking and your doing. It's really important that you're all on the same page about this. You all have to have the same mindset. And then Paul goes on to talk about some of the actions that they should employ. Here's what you should be doing. This is how your mindset will manifest into your life. Nothing should be done because of pride or thinking about yourself. No, that's, that's what the Roman Empire encourages you to do, to put yourself first to prioritize your own needs, your own wants, your own interests. It was a worldview unlike anything we're familiar with today. Thank you, in the back. <laughs> Appreciate that, solidarity. But instead, I want you to think of other people as more important than yourself. It's not think less of yourself, but think of yourself less. This is what Paul's telling them to do. Listen. The way that you've been taught 
the way that you've grown up, the culture in which you live says the mindset that you should use should be one that places your interests first. Paul's saying, no, this is a different mindset. This is a mindset that's oriented towards the needs of the others around you, that it lets go of what you want, what you need, of your own interests, and it elevates the needs of others. So don't think about your own interests only, but also think about the interests of others. Paul's trying to reiterate again and again and again. This is a new way of thinking. All of the values, all of the beliefs, all of the priorities, all of the thoughts, feelings, and actions that you are familiar with in this life, I want you to flip it and think about it all differently. This is what it means to have a new mindset. And then Paul goes on to name exactly what that mindset should be. He says, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. This isn't a mindset that acknowledges that Caesar is Lord. A mindset that acknowledges that when you subscribe to Pax Romana and Roman rule, you get to experience the benefits on an individual level and all the privileges of Roman citizenship. It is not about what you can gain in this world. No, there's a different mindset that I want you to employ. There's a different mentality and thinking. And it's the same mindset as Jesus. And Paul's saying, when you do this, when you have the same mindset as Jesus, it will change the way that you think. It'll change the way that you act. And thus, it'll change the quality and the content of your lives. In a way, what Paul's saying is similar to the process of bonsai trees. Now, I've had this bonsai tree almost 24 hours. <laughs> so I am clearly an expert at the process of creating these bonsai trees. Now, the way that you take care of a bonsai tree is you're meticulous in the way that you sculpt and shape and mold this tree to fulfill the desire and the pattern that you want for it. You can make these things look like whatever you want. And the way that you do that is by trimming the branches. They have these little scissors that, I, I don't know why you need the little scissors, but I guess it feels like it matches because it's a little tree. And, and you can use wire to bend the, the leaves and the branches because it doesn't normally, it's not normally supposed to look like this, but you can mold and shape and craft this tree to take on whatever form and shape that you want. Paul says the same thing is true for your life. When you have the mindset of Christ, it will inform the way that you mold and shape and live your life. But that's not just true for the same mindset that Christ has. This is true for any mindset. The mindset that you adopt, the mindset that you hold, will form and shape your life to whatever shape and form it's oriented towards. So if your mindset is one of success and wealth and privilege, guess what your tree will eventually look like? It will follow after the pattern and the model of your mindset. Whether you are conscious of this process or not, through trimming and bending and wires that people use to shape these things, over time, this tree will morph and shape and form towards whatever mindset we have for it. If your mindset is about popularity and status, 
then your actions, your thoughts, your feelings, your relationships, the choices that you make will all conform to that mindset. This is why Paul says it really matters the way that you think about things. The mindset that you hold is really, really important because your life will begin to take the shape of whatever mindset you have. But Paul tells us that we should have the same mindset as Jesus. So, a logical question would be, what was Jesus' mindset? And I think that's why it's important that you read your Bibles. But I'm going to give you a little hint. I'm not just going to make you go home and do homework. But I do think that you should go home and read your Bibles. Because it is in the pages of Scripture, particularly in the pages of the New Testament, that we get to see the way Jesus thinks about things. We get to see the way that his mindset informs his choices. It informs the way that he engages in relationships. It informs the things that he values or doesn't value. We can see it all through his words, through his teachings, and through his actions. Why? Because that's how a mindset works in a life. Our mindsets determine the way that we think, and the way that we speak, and the way that we live. And so by reading about the way Jesus thought, spoke, and lived, we can derive a bit of what his mindset was. There's one particular kind of story and vignette with Jesus that I think gives us pretty good insight into what his mindset was. And this is a conversation between Jesus and a bunch of religious people. And not like people who believe, but like pastors. It was like Jesus and a bunch of snotty pastors. Pastors that think that they know everything and that they have all the right answers. And I know y'all have no experience with that. But this is the conversation. And the pastors are trying to ask Jesus a question because they want to derive what his mindset is. And ultimately, they want to kind of put him in a trap to point out how his mindset is ill-informed and is, and is not correct. So this is what they ask him. They say, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, Jesus has a little over 600 choices that he could choose from. There are over 600 laws in the Jewish faith. And so they said, teacher, I mean, out of all 600, which one's the greatest? Give us a little clue as to your mindset. What do you value most out of all of the things that you could value? Out of all of the rules and stipulations and guidance that God has given us to inform how we should live and act, Jesus, which one matters most? And Jesus tells them. He says it's simple. He says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now for any of you who have spent any amount of time in church, this is where it starts to feel a little wont wont because we're told that we should love God. And particularly maybe as guys, you're like, I just... The emotion thing doesn't connect with me, and like I, I want to follow God, and I want to believe in God, but I don't feel a lot of love for God. What Jesus is talking about here specifically with loving God with all of your heart and your being and your mind is not about what you feel, but is about a complete commitment to following God in everything that you do in everything that you choose, in the way that you think about things, do you put God first? 
Are you filtering your entire life and your experiences and your relationships through the lens of God? That's what Jesus is alluding to. That's what it means to love God with all of your heart, with all of your being, and with all of your mind. It's not about a thing that you feel, and so you're waiting to feel that thing. You're like, I'm not, I don't feel the thing. When am I going to feel the thing so I can do the things? And Jesus is like, no, no, no. It's a commitment to all the things through the filter of God. And he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And then all of the pastors are ready to pounce because they're like, we got him. And then he says, and the second is like it. And they're like, wait, wait a minute. We asked you what the greatest was. And Jesus says, I know. The first, love God. And here comes the second. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Again, this isn't about emotion. For some of us, this commandment would be really difficult if it was about emotion. Whether it was our physical neighbor, our relational neighbor, or just people that we work with. This would be really hard because you don't feel the things that you're waiting to feel about those people. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. What he means in this instance is to orient yourself to prioritize the good of others. But I don't have to like feel like the Valentine's things for these people. Nope. That is not what we're talking about. This is talking about how you live in such a way that elevates the needs of others. How do you work for the good of people around you? When you see somebody in need, even if you don't feel anything, what can you do that puts their needs first? How can you elevate their interests? How can you work towards the good of others around you? So Jesus says, here's the deal. You want me to choose a mindset? You want me to prioritize all of the things that we could value? Here are the things that matter most. Love God and love others. And all of the other stuff, all 600 and something rules, laws, commandments, all of that depends on these two statements. So Jesus, instead of elevating two above all the others, flips it and inverts it and says all of those other rules and laws depend on these two things. Loving God and loving others. That's Jesus' mindset. That's the way that he orients his life. That's the way that he thinks, the way that he lives, the way that he feels about everyone and everything he comes encounter with. Could you imagine what it would look like if we begin to orient ourselves towards this mindset? In the conference room, in the PTA meeting, on the sidelines of our kids' sporting events, on dates and in relationships, if we filtered everything through the mindset of, does this love God and does this love others? It would change the way that you live. It would mean that you would have to start doing a lot of things that we're not doing. And it would mean that we would need to stop doing a lot of the things that we are doing. It would inform where you shop, how you spend your money, the way that you evaluate your children's success in school. It would inform your relationships and who you are friends with and who you are not friends with. It would inform every fabric of your life because that's what a mindset does. It tells you what you value most. It tells you what you should anchor your life on. And it gives you the direction 
of how to think and feel and act about everything. My favorite part of bonsai trees for the 24 hours that I've had one is that the reason bonsai isn't a type of tree. All sorts of trees can be bonsai trees. But what it means is it means little tree. The goal of a bonsai tree is to be an exact replica of a tree that in nature would be 30, 40, 50, 60 feet tall. The goal of a bonsai tree is to mold and shape it so that it is an imitation of a larger tree. Same thing is true for our lives. That's why Paul tells us to have the same mindset as Christ. What Paul wants for us, what Jesus is calling us to, is to become an exact replica of Christ. And it all begins with our mindset. So let me pray for us this morning. Gracious God, we thank you for this series and this opportunity to have a conversation about the power of our thoughts. God, as we leave this place, help us to begin to have the same mindset as you, to orient ourselves towards loving you and loving our neighbors. God, let us filter all of our lives through that mindset and through that lens. And ultimately, God, help us to become more like you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.